0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Fantastic. Alright, are we excited to hear from God's Word this morning? That's more like it. Awesome. We need to get excited to hear God's Word. I promise you, if you came in this morning expecting nothing, that's exactly what you'll get if you come in here this morning with a heart filled with faith, expecting to hear from God, that's exactly what you'll get. Uh, the difference is not in the Word. It's the same Bible Sunday in, Sunday out. It's the difference in our response and our willingness to receive and our faith that we bring in the room. That's where the difference lies, right? I can be the most useless preacher in the world, but if I come into a room full of faith, you could still receive from God because you're believing to receive from God, yeah? So let's just stir the faith this morning and, and and really allow God to do what He wants to do. I want to speak to you this morning out of a story. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 11. We're going to go there in a minute. Um, probably going to touch on it, so I might just paraphrase it um, just to not get bogged down in it too much. Um, and we'll just sit in certain spots. But uh, one of the hardest things is coming up with the title for your message uh, because we've got to get it in early for the note people to put on the screen and all that stuff Um, and so last night um, I changed titles I reckon two times three times Um, and then um, yeah I I think in hindsight I think in hindsight I would have called it in case of emergency breakthrough maybe Um, but uh but the title for my message this morning as it stands right now is recipe for disaster and uh (laughs) It's not a recipe to get a disaster because who wants a disaster here? I don't think Sam wants a disaster. Excellent. Well, Sam, <laughs> excellent. Merry Christmas. Um, always swoon against the flow. Uh, not a recipe for a disaster, but a recipe for what to do in case of a disaster. And uh, I don't know about you, has anyone in the room ever been through some things, ever been through some disappointment, ever been through some pain or some hurt of some uh, kind? Everybody else, could you please fly around the room for me? Um, It would be wonderful. Obviously, you are Jesus or an angel or something. Um, And even Jesus went through some hard times, so awkward, right? but I want to give you uh, out of a story that I believe is an incredibly, uh, a lot of things in this story, a lot of ingredients in this story. I want to give you some keys uh, that I noticed um, out of this story that I think uh, would be a recipe for us of what to do in breakthrough. Because I, I've been in church a long time and I've seen a lot of people who go in and through disasters and through bad things and tend to just get a bit stuck. It seems like uh, uh, they're they're going along and and the call of God is happening in their life. And you're like, man, they're going to go and do great things for God. And I I can't wait to see them. We get all excited about the purposes of God for this person's life. And and they're growing quickly. And there's all these amazing things happen. And then all of a sudden they hit something. And it's like it completely stalls. There's there's the odd person who, who just continues to grow. And everyone looks at them and goes, yeah, it's all right for them. Wait till something goes wrong. But... For most people, we hit something and then we're faced with a moment as to what we're going to do. And I think it's what we do in that moment that defines uh, the course of our journey from that point forward. It either becomes a moment of great opportunity where we step into destiny and purpose and we see breakthrough and great things take place. And you watch people go through these exponential growth curves and you think that's amazing. And we all think, oh, wow, isn't God good to them? But we don't realize they're wrestling with something in the private world and it's their breakthrough that's actually taken them to another level. But that didn't come cheaply. Or or we stall completely and you watch them. they, They do the church row thing, right? Where you start down the front and then you get disappointed and you move five rows back and then you get hurt and you move another five rows back and then you move another and then you're once every three weeks and then you're just not there at all. No offense to all the people in the back row. I'm sure that's not you. I'm sure you're working your way forward. That was me. I started at the back. I worked my way to the front but um but uh yeah we actually did um but uh i, I want to share with you some thoughts out of this story out of a, a story that contains a, a great message about uh, about disappointment uh, i don't think there's any greater disappointment than the disappointment that's in, contained in this story um and then i think five keys or or, or earmarks hallmarks for us to hold on to uh, that hopefully will challenge us and change the way that we do it change the way that we look at it is that cool so what do you do when it doesn't go the way that you thought it would? What do you do when you had in your head that everything was going to be a certain way? James spoke about this last week where he would had his whole life planned out for him and then his wife passed away. And, and what do you do in that moment? How do you move forward in that moment? How do you cope with that uh, kind of a, 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 an upheaval in your world where you, you had everything planned out and you thought it was going to be a certain way? You know the difference between uh, what was delivered and what was expected? That's disappointment. Right there, and, and what we do with that, uh, I found it to be incredibly toxic to certain people, the way that they handle that. What do we do when we need to get victory and there doesn't seem to be a way to get victory? How do you hold on when hope is gone? And so uh, John chapter 11 is the story of a man called Lazarus. And it starts, it says, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is Mary who later poured an expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Isn't it funny how everyone thinks they're Jesus' best friend? I think that's amazing. Just a side note, uh, if we're supposed to represent Christ, I I think Jesus had this uncanny ability to make everybody feel special. John the Beloved refers to himself as John the Beloved. (laughs) The one, loved, the one, the disciple that Jesus loved. I'm just going to refer to myself. Jesus had this ability when he was having conversations with people to make them feel loved. To make them feel like they were the most important person in the world. I wonder if we do that. Oh, I don't know, it's just a thought. Anyway, um, so Jesus heard about it. He said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And they went back to Judea. There's a, bit of, there's a bit of controversy there about going back because people had been gunning to kill Jesus in that region. And that's why they had left in the first place. So now they were going back into harm's way. They were going back into the potential of disaster to take place. And Jesus was a target for the religious leaders at the time because he was stirring things up and and the disciples were like okay well let's just go and die with Jesus positive people that they were Um, and uh, so Thomas of course said uh, in in verse 16 Thomas named the twin said to his fellow disciples let's go to and die with Jesus he's a positive dude so they head back in and what takes place is when they arrive they find that Lazarus is dead but didn't Jesus say Lazarus wasn't going to die And one of the things that we need to understand as a key principle behind all of this is how the scriptures in the Bible deal with death. In the Bible, death is not about the cessation of life. Death is always about separation. So in Genesis, when Adam and Eve are in the garden, God says, you must not eat from the tree lest you die. He's not speaking about a physical death. He's saying, if you eat from that tree, there's a separation that's going to come. And so they eat from the tree and the spirit of man is separated from the spirit of God. And there is a death of sorts that takes place, necessitates the reason for Jesus. When Jesus talks about death, he speaks about separation rather than ceasing of life. The truth of the matter is all of us have eternity. And the decision to accept or not accept Jesus is not a decision about whether I will live for eternity. It's about where I will spend eternity. Because death for us, while we think of it as the cessation of life, is actually simply our spirit separating from our body. If you've ever seen a loved one or a relative who's passed away, you look at them and you think they're not even there anymore. It's just a shell. The truth of the matter is it is just a shell because the spirit has separated from the body, which has now resulted in what we know as death, but is actually separation. And so Jesus has this ability to stand outside of circumstance and call it for what it is. He says he's not going to die. And he wasn't, but he was, but he wasn't. Jesus is, is teaching constantly in these moments. And, uh, and so Martha comes out because Martha's the work person. So, you know, she's the one who's running around cleaning the house when Jesus was there. Um, so she comes out, oh, Jesus, 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 because she's the busy one. And, and, and Mary's at home. Uh, she's the one who's at the feet of Jesus. So she's a little bit more laid back. Right? Um, so she comes out and says, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. Great greeting. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, and, then, and then Mary hears, and so she comes running out from the house and she says the same thing. If you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. And there's this moment of, of desperation and pain. And the truth of the matter is that Lazarus had been dead for four days. Oh, hang on a minute. Four days. So Jesus stayed for two days. So even if he'd left straight away, he still wouldn't have got there in time. Still wouldn't have got there in time. Even if he'd left straight away. And Jesus knew that. And all of those people that he continued to minister to for those two days would have missed out based on a guy who was dead, who was going to be dead anyway. And sometimes God's ability to stand outside and see more of the circumstance than we can see. uh, I don't know about you. I have a theory that God's watch is broken. Because whilst he's never late, he's missed some really awesome opportunities to be early, right? When God finally moves and does something, and you're like, couldn't you have done that six months ago? I've been killing myself here. Oh, I was doing stuff. Thanks very much. And, and I'm sure he's, he's building things, but at the time, we're losing our minds, right? We're going, come on, God, come on, it's really late. I think his watch is broken. And God has His own time schedule thing that he keeps, that he kind of sits outside of what we do and what's going on. And anyway, he arrives and, and in their mind, he's late. But in his mind, he's exactly on time. And he arrives at the situation and he's moved with compassion at their sorrow. And he says, where have you put him? And so they, they take him to the tomb and they, they notice that he's crying. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And they're all going, see how much she loved him. But some said, this man healed blind men. Couldn't he have held Lazarus from, Lazarus from dying? So there's, there's conversations that are happening where people are judging his motives and people are wondering what's up, what's up with Jesus. All this incredible stuff going on. then Jesus uh, arrived at the tomb. And the cave with the stone rolled across the entrance. And he said, roll aside the stone. And Mary, uh, Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled aside the stone, and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all the people standing here, so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, Unwrap him and let them let him go. What an amazing story, right? Jesus rolls. Up. Jesus was awesome at spoiling funerals. He would often rock up and just spoil the party. Like we were going to eat afterwards, Jesus. We we're going to stick this guy in a hole in the ground and we we're going to eat. And then he ruined the party. But he rolled up and he does this incredible, amazing thing. And so I want to talk to you about this story and just about a few of the things that jumped out at me as principles for us to live by. When walking through times in life where it feels like things have died. If you've ever walked through a season in life where a hope or a dream or an aspiration or something that you believed was from God has died in some way in your life, what do you do? I'm going to tell you. So here we go. Point number one, recipe for disaster. Point number one, you need the right people. There's a bunch of different people in this story. There's, There's a group of people who were waiting at the house who were mourning with Mary and Martha. There's a group of people who had helped them wrap Lazarus up in his grave clothes and put him in the grave and roll the stone over the entrance and they'd help with all the practical things. There's a group of people called the disciples who are like, oh, let's just go and die with Jesus anyway. There's Mary, there's Martha, there's all kinds of different people in this story. And there's only one person who actually matters. And that's Jesus. And what I discovered about the journey is is you need to recognize who you have in your world when you go through crisis. Because the challenge is, right, there are 150 million people who want to stand with you, put an arm on your shoulder and go there, there. And that's lovely, but it doesn't raise the dead. And too often when we walk through difficult situations and circumstances, we surround ourselves with people who want to pat us on the back and give us a cuddle and make us feel warm and fuzzy, but they've got no ability to speak faith into what needs to be raised from the dead. But rather they sit there and they talk about the natural and they help you deal with the practical. Let's be reasonable. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about, yeah, you're right. You should be hurt. Yep, it's, yeah, that's really disappointing. Those kind of people can't help you raise from the dead what needs to be raised from the dead you've got to look at the people in your world walking through a difficult situation I don't need someone to come and pat me on the shoulder and say there, there I don't need, to help you, need your help to bury the dream I need someone who can speak faith and bring that dream back to life that's what I need Whew. well-meaning people will come and help you bury the thing that God's called you to raise. Well-meaning people will help you wrap up the thing that God wants unwrapped. Well-meaning people will help you roll the stone across the entrance to the tomb to keep that thing contained. They're not the people I need in my world. I love that Mary and Martha went to get Jesus, but even they... Felt the hope was gone because they wanted Jesus to come earlier. They wanted it to happen before. They're still dealing with their disappointment and their emotions. I can't read that. There's light here. What? Right. Okay. Excellent. Well-meaning people. They will help you do the stuff, but are they really helping Is it really helping you to have people come along and tap you on the shoulder and say, there, there? Is that fixing anything? Whatever they're tapping you on the shoulder for is still dead when they're finished. So great. Thanks for that. But it's still dead. What would rather be a much more benefit to me is if you got someone who could come and speak life over this thing and actually see it raised from the dead rather than just congratulate me on the fact that it's dead. I love the fact that it says Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but he still waited. You know what? In your life, sometimes the people who are going to speak resurrection over your situation, they won't come when you want them to come. I tried to get an appointment with Tony and I couldn't get an appointment with Tony. Well, Tony might have been speaking life into another situation. But you've got to trust the timing of God that when he gets there is when he gets there. And when he does, he's the guy who's going to speak life, right? I'm not going to settle for a substitute just because you can be there when he can't. I know what needs to be bought here and I know who can bring it. So I'm just going to wait on Jesus. Because I know he's the only one who can speak life into this situation. I'm just gonna, I know I could sit here and mourn with all these people who want to pat me on the back, but I'm just going to wait for that faith-filled person, that person that I, I called last week who said, I'm on my way. I'm going to wait for them to get here rather than getting all uh, disillusioned and disappointed and upset and whatever else. I'm just going to wait for the faith guy to get here and start to speak something over my dead things, yeah? Are we excited? I'm excited. I love this stuff. Then he says, Jesus says, roll aside the stone. Roll aside the stone. You've got to remove obstacles. Every single one of us, when something dies, we want to bury it. We want to put it in a, in a thing. We want to minimize the impact of that thing. If you leave the dead body in the middle of the house, it's going to smell, right? So we want to put it somewhere. We want to file it under something. We want to roll a stone over that thing. And sometimes those stones look like bitterness, and sometimes those stones look like anger and disappointment when well, we thought it was going to be a certain way. And so we justify the fact that we feel a certain way and we've surrounded ourselves with people who will pat us on the back and tell us we're doing okay. And validate and help us to roll stones over the mouth of the tomb. Yeah, you're right to feel angry. That's not fair what happened to you. I'm sorry, that doesn't help me. That just leaves it dead in my life. And all you've done is help me to put a blockage in the way of what needs to walk out one day. There's something that needs to walk out of that tomb and all you've done is roll my anger or my bitterness or my attitude or my unforgiveness across the mouth of that thing. That's just one more thing to deal with before I can get a miracle here. So the question is, are you willing to move some things? He says to Martha, roll aside the stone and immediately she begins to protest because she's become comfortable with her stone. That stone means it doesn't smell. That stone means you don't have to see how yucky it is inside. That stone means that I can protect what's going on in there. And we can just come and we can go, yeah, yeah, this is what could have been and walk away. And that stone just keeps it all nicely contained. Well, what is it in your life that's keeping things nicely contained? So nobody can see what's dying on the inside. So nobody can see or smell the things that are going on in the inside. I rolled some offense over there. I rolled some self-protection over the doorway of that thing just to keep everybody at arm's length so nobody re- Really knows what's going on I'm just gonna roll a stone in the way so you can't smell what's cooking in my life I'm just gonna roll, and Jesus is knocking on the door saying roll the stone aside and every one of us is going eh, I don't think you're gonna like the smell you think Jesus doesn't know what's going on inside there you're not actually dealing with the smell you're just hiding it whether the stone's there or the stone's not there Lazarus still stinketh king james version lazarus smells one way or the other so you may as well roll aside the stone and get some fresh air in there at the very least and just maybe just maybe something's going to come walking out that you didn't expect but nothing is walking out of there while the stone's in the way so if you've got some anger some resentment some disappointment some bitterness some whatever you got You've got to be willing to roll aside. See, Jesus did what they couldn't do, but he did ask them to do what they could do. I'll raise the dead, you roll the stone. And we're sitting there going, Jesus rolled the stone. He's, no, 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 no. If I roll the stone, then you've got to raise the dead. It's a partnership. So if you want me to raise the dead, you better get to roll on that stone. You better deal with your sin. You better deal with your unforgiveness. You better deal with your unrepentant stuff. You better deal with your anger and your bitterness and your attitudes. You've got to roll a the stone if you want me to speak life into something. Or you can try and speak life into it and I'll roll a side the stone, but uh, it's up to you. Whew. Thanks, Mog. You know what? I, I'm okay for it to get worse before it gets better. I'm okay if my attitude stinks a bit, if it means we get some resurrection power happening. I'm okay if, if it stinks up the atmosphere a bit. I'm, I, I'm all right with that because I'm willing to take that risk based on the faith that God might move. We're so busy protecting ourselves for fear of maybe what's happened before. We leave no room for God to do something in the tomorrow, in the today. While we focus on yesterday and who hurt you and who did the wrong thing and who did the wrong thing by you and and, and how much uh, validated and, and justified are you to feel the way that you feel, we're so caught up in that moment. We're missing out on the fact that Jesus is standing outside going, roll away the stone. I want to show you something. Roll away the stone. I want to show you something. Roll away the stone. I want to show you something. Well, God, you just just roll away the stone. <laughs> no, I'm asking you to do that. Hmm. I love the fact it says, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here. Then Jesus shouted. You know how you get free in your disappointment? Say something on purpose. Jesus says, I said it here because. Because I needed to just build my own faith. No, because people need to hear what I'm about to say. And if you've been in church for longer than about 10 minutes, which most of you have because you've been here for the service this morning. If you've been in church for any kind of time, the truth of the matter is there is a world watching how you deal with your disappointment how you speak in your situation. They're waiting to see what comes out of your mouth when times are tough because anyone can preach the gospel when bless me, Lord, i got money, i got job, my relationships are awesome. It's easy to talk faith in. What they wanna know is how does the rubber meet the road when disappointment kicks in? What does it look like when something dies in your life? And Jesus says, for you, I'm gonna speak out loud and I'm gonna say something on purpose. What am I going to say? I'm going to speak the now word of God over this situation. I'm going to call out to God. I'm not hyperfaith. faith. He doesn't call it like it isn't. He just says, this is how it's going to be. Yes, this is broken. Yes, that hurts. But God. Say something on purpose. Open your mouth and say something on purpose. You've got to make room with what you say for God to do something. How you doing? Oh, you know. My grandma's like that, hey. Well, she used to be. She's got dementia now, so she doesn't do anything like that. But back in the day, you used to go visit my grandparents, and my dad's mum. She's Italian. You go, how you going? And she go, oh, no, so good. And then she proceed to read you the litany of all of her knee problems and elbow problems and this problem and that problem. Like, oh, my God, I'm depressed. And I'm just visiting. You live here. It's crazy you got to say something on purpose. So many times we go through situations and just whatever comes out, comes out. I'm mad at God and I'm this and I'm that. What are you doing? What are you creating? What are you speaking into being? How about you say something on purpose instead of just by accident, whatever falls out? Jesus was so in the moment. He loved Mary. He loved Martha. He loved Lazarus. And yet he was so in the moment. He's like, here's a teaching moment, people. I'm going to pray out loud so you can hear what's going on here. I'm going to say something out loud so that everybody else can learn something in this moment. Man, how you walk through the dead things in your life, that's the message right there. You want to be a preacher? Preach. Right there. Preach your message. That's your moment right there. You don't need a platform. You don't need a microphone. Say something on purpose. It's not not always about you. I know we like to think that everything is about us because of our Western philosophy. (laughs) Look after number one. It's not always about you. And sometimes things die in your life so that you can show people resurrection power. And we miss the moment because we just roll a stone over that sucker and change churches. Poor old Lazarus, knocking on the inside of the stone. God, raise him for the dead. There's no way out. Because my bitterness is getting in the way. P.S., I'm not here anymore. I don't know, just saying. Mm. Say something on purpose. Number four, I love this, right? The dead man came out, hands and feet bound in grave clothes, and his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. (laughs) We love the moment. How good was James Aiton? Winter Project was amazing. I responded to the altar call and Jesus spoke to me. It was wonderful. Yeah, okay. Now what? Jesus spoke resurrection life and out comes Lazarus, but he come out like this, right? <laughs> this sucker all wrapped up. And you can't walk right until somebody unwraps you. So it's all good to come out. Look at me, resurrection life. But I can't talk right because there's something over my face. I can't see right because there's something over my eyes. I can't serve right because there's something over my hands. I can't walk right because my legs is all bound up. And here I am hopping out. I made it, but just barely. Will somebody unwrap me, please? That's the process of discipleship. Even crazy miracles have a process attached. I hopped into Winter Project, but now i got to make some hard choices. I hopped into church, but now i got to make some changes. I hopped into this, but now i got to make some things that happen. i got to get me booked into an alpha course and start to understand what it is that I'm doing. I came walking out of that tomb, but I can't walk right until I get unbound. And somebody better unwrap me because i got things to do. The Bible says, beware of the sin that so easily trips us up and snares us, gets around our feet. Sometimes that sin is the sin you walked in with. It's all around your feet. It's all around your hands. And yet you got resurrected. That's awesome. But if you want to live life and life to the full, you don't just want to get resurrected. You've got to get unwrapped, baby. Those Christmas presents look awesome. But as long as they stay wrapped, ain't doing anything for me. We unwrap that sucker and then we can use what's inside. You got to get out, but you got to unwrap, and that's the process. That's why we need church. That's why we need alpha. That's why we need youth and different things like that to help us unwrap some of the issues that come out that remind us of where we came from, that remind us of the dead. They smell like dead things, and they change the way we see, and they change the way we speak and hear. You got to get unwrapped. So you can really live. How am I going for time? Doing alright? We doing okay? Great. Awesome. Point number five is my last point. We're going to pray for some people in a minute. I love this. In chapter 12, we have this moment where Jesus goes to somebody's house for dinner and is, is prepared in honor. And Lazarus and Mary and Martha are there and Jesus is being hosted. And it's, the, it's that meeting where, where, where Mary takes the alabaster box and breaks it and pours perfume over the feet of Jesus and anoints him. And it says the fragrance filled the whole house. And there's genuine worship happening in that moment. It's amazing. It's an incredible moment. And she weeps. And, and we wonder why she was weeping. And yes, yeah, she had come from a, a life of, of being a prostitute, the theologians would tell us. And there was a lot of brokenness in her past. But also, she just had her brother raised from the dead. And I'm thinking there was a little bit of gratitude mixed in there as well, where maybe she was just feeling that that appreciation for God doing what nobody else could do. And, and so there was a genuine depth to her worship as she came and she poured out over Jesus. And, and, and what happens is... Um, in verse nine, it says, when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. It's a, it's a triumphant moment. And then the leading priests decided to kill Lazarus too. That's what the verse says. Everyone flocked to see Jesus and Lazarus. And then the leading priests decided to kill Lazarus too. Here's the thing. Point number five is stay aware. Stay aware of what? Stay aware that when you were in the tomb, and wrapped up in stuff, you were a lot easier to manage. When you were in the tomb and you were wrapped up in stuff, you didn't highlight my apathy in church on Sunday. When you were in the tomb and you were wrapped up, I could say that you stink. Don't roll aside the stone, they stink. But now that you're out and you're walking about, your passion, your conviction... The very presence of you highlights the fact that God is doing something, which highlights the fact that I'm not. You are much more convenient inside the tomb than you will ever be when you get free. And there will be people who would rather you be back in the tomb than be walking around reminding them of their mediocrity. So whenever you get free of something, just watch. Because people will want to put you back in the box every time. They will want to remind, aren't you the Lazarus from the tomb? Aren't you the guy that was wrapped up and smelly? Aren't you the person that was behind that stone? Aren't you the one that was angry and bitter towards the church? Aren't you the one that had that attitude? Aren't you the one that smelled feral? Aren't you the one that used to sit around here and complain with me about church leadership and now you're in there and you're serving and you're getting involved? What the heck is going on with you? Don't you believe that this, 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 this is what you used to say? This is who you used to be? Because you are easier. When you're dead. you got to stay away. There will always be things that want to take you back to where you're easier to manage and easier to contain. It's interesting to me that in an atmosphere of genuine worship and gratitude, all the rubbish rises to the top. In, In that one verse, we have Mary pouring it out and Judas reacts. And shortly after... All the Pharisees demonstrate what's inside of them. Just a challenge, if I may. Just another one. Um, When we're in worship and negativity comes, don't look at Jesus. Look at you. Why? What, what, What does it look like if Judas goes, why am I reacting to this worship? Why am I upset by this extravagant display? What is it in me that's the... But no, he looks... Oh, you could have given the money to the poor and we super spiritualize the fact that we have an attitude problem. What does it look like if we look internally at that moment? Rather than trying to kill Jesus, maybe I should try and kill me. Not literally, but figuratively. Maybe it's some of me that needs to die. Rather than put somebody who's passionately on fire, back in their box. I would rather tame a fanatic than raise the dead any day, right? Here's here's the thing. There's a scripture in the Old Testament where David brings the presence of God into the city and he starts dancing around like a crazy person. And his skirt jumps up and everyone sees his butt cheeks. And his wife is looking down from the window. And the Bible says she despised him in her heart. Why? Because the passion in his worship highlighted something in her. But you know what's interesting? The Bible says from that day forward, she never bore any children. How you approach other people and their passion towards God can affect how you reproduce. Never despise somebody else's passion. Never despise somebody else's breakthrough. Never try and put somebody back in the grave that Jesus called them out of. So this morning, I don't, I don't know whereabouts you are in that journey. I don't know if you're Lazarus himself and you don't know Jesus. He's calling you out. This church is designed to roll aside some stones, maybe some stones of preconceptions of what you thought church was about. Maybe some stones of hurts with other churches or different things that have happened. We designed this church with you in mind to try and roll aside what we could of those preconceptions that maybe would alienate you and keep you from God. And God is calling you out of, of, of wherever you're at right now and saying, you can come with me, there's life and life to the full. I want to unwrap you. I want you to walk right. I want you to talk right. I want you to, uh, to have this amazing freedom. And you don't even realize what you're bound up in yet, but God wants to set you free for some stuff. He has great purpose and destiny for your life. He wants to do amazing things in and through you. And that might be you. And I have a feeling there's probably a few people like that here, but I think more people like this that you've got stuff in your life that you thought was going to be a certain way and it didn't work out the way you thought and you prayed and you called on Jesus and he took longer than you anticipated to get here but he's here and in the meantime you wrapped that thing up and you buried it and you rolled a stone across the front of it and maybe that stone is bitterness Or unforgiveness, or just pain and hurt. Maybe you've withdrawn and pulled away, and that's your stone. You don't want anyone to smell what's going on. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is standing outside your tomb and he's shouting. Notice Jesus didn't whisper, he shouted. He didn't leave much room, right? You, you shout something and you declare something, you, you're taking a risk because everyone can hear it when you shout. And when you call out to God and say, God, raise this thing from the dead. There's always that little voice in the back of your head that says, what if he doesn't? You're going to look like an idiot. Oh, I'd rather die shouting than wondering. I know that God is standing outside of your tomb this morning and he's calling that thing that you've buried. He's calling it out. You've got to roll aside some stones though. And even when it does come out, it's going to need some unwrapping. And habits are going to mean that you want to put it back in the box every now and again. But this is a moment where you have the ability to roll aside some stones. So come out. I refuse to let the dream die. I'm going to hold on. I don't care if it smells, I'm leaving the door open. Yeah? Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.